Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert here, and I'm with my masked co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Not to be confused with the masked singer, which I am most definitely not. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. Absolutely not. That would be awful. That wouldn't, no one wants to hear that. So if we sound a little muffled, it's because we're wearing our masks during the COVID-19 pandemic to do this podcast about rib grafts. We for sure are. And it's a little bit weird because typically we do this after we've seen patients all day and after operating, but we had some time in the middle of our work day. So the vibe's a little off for me, but well, I think... You know, the, the OR's packed. Yeah, I know. And we, we have surgery to do now. <laughs> we have like two cases. They're just sitting around waiting to do them. So I thought we'd throw in a podcast Might as well. while waiting. Well, and this is a big one to throw in because rib grafts are near and dear to my heart. They sure are. You do a lot. I mean, really, they are near and dear to my heart. Like, that's where the rib grafts are. Yeah, there it is. They're right there. <laughs> so the uh, I use a lot of rib cartilage to reconstruct noses. Yes. Um, I think it's a, a technique that without... Like, how much noise can we have here? <laughs> this is why we don't do podcasts in the middle of the day. I'm telling you. Like, it's like nuts. It's like a party outside. The There's luxury a... cars are rooming down Santa Monica Boulevard. And soon there will be an accident right on the corner down. For there, sure. There have been, by the way, two, two weeks in a row, two serious vehicle crunches I know. right below this office. I know. In the middle of COVID-19 when there should have been no cars on the road. <laughs> like, who's asleep at the wheel there? I mean, there's nobody out there and these cars are the only two cars in Beverly Hills and they crash into each other. I know. That was nuts. Two weeks in a row. All right. Back to the rib grafts. So rib grafts, what we do when we're doing either revision rhinoplasty, uh, trauma reconstruction, uh, or some primary rhinoplasty, such as in Asian rhinoplasty, where we're augmenting the bridge, we like to go and get some rib cartilage out of the chest wall. Right. So this is not your typical standard rhinoplasty for the first time rhinoplasty. Correct. But it is, for you at least, pretty standard for your revision rhinoplasties. Yeah, I, I do not like to use other types of cartilage unless I absolutely have to to do revision rhinoplasty because the rib grafts are so good at holding things up over time at, you know, structuring things They're The rib cartilage is really strong, really reliable and makes an amazing, it's just an amazing material for revision rhinoplasty. And typically I think it's important to note that when we are talking about cartilage, we use cartilage for rhinoplasties to create structure, to create grafts. And in a primary or a first-time rhinoplasty, typically we can use the septum. That's that middle part that's inside the nose. If it's intact, if it hasn't been injured before, it's usually a good place to get the amount you need for a first-time rhinoplasty patient. Now, there are other options as well. You can sometimes use cartilage from the ear. But generally speaking, in any rhinoplasty, you need cartilage from somewhere to make a graft. What we are talking about is using rib instead of these other options for various reasons. Right. And people think about the, that it's like the rib bone, and it's not. The no. rib bone is out laterally. It's, it's part of the rib, obviously. But as the rib gets towards the sternum, that breastbone in the middle of your chest, there's a portion that becomes cartilaginous. It's cartilage. cartilage. And that cartilage is great for rhinoplasty. And yeah. I'm glad there's a nice supply there yeah. for all my revisions that <laughs> yes. I need to do for people. Yes, yeah, true. You can take it from either side. You've got a couple of different options, uh, seven, eight, nine-ish 
Yeah, seven, eight, yeah, nine. 79. I mean, six is also used if you want yeah. to do. A lot of people like to put the scar. So the way that you get the rib is you have to make a cut. And you can go in through the inframammary fold, which is where you would get the sixth rib cartilage right, typically, right. or the fifth. Or the if fifth. And that would be done. The, the problem I have with that, and, and, and no offense to the, you know, making that scar there, but the that scar leads you to some rib cartilage that's pretty small. And, and it's not like, especially if it's a small person, they're going to have small rib cartilage. And so you're yeah. not going to get enough material to do what you need to do to fix the nose. But when, as you get down to seven, eight, and nine, now, now you're talking. And right. especially seven and eight are my two favorite ribs. A lot of people like seven. I like eight. I think eight gives you bigger pieces of straight cartilage, where seven does too. But seven can sometimes be a little small. Again, on smaller people, smaller rib it's cartilage. Okay. Right. The problem with eight, we've discussed this before, it's a little bit more trickier to, to harvest. Sure is. Yeah. It's a little more stuck and fused to yeah, its well, friends. Yeah, it's got what's yeah. called uh, pseudochondrosis, where it's kind of fused to the ninth rib. Yeah. And it is, it is a harder harvest. You got to kind of have been there a few times. I've probably done 2,500 rib grafts at this point, so I kind of know what to expect. And it's easy for me to do it, but it doesn't mean that you know, people that are starting out to do this will really love that rib. They really yeah, like seven, yeah, six, tough. five. Those are sort of the favorite ribs. And so when we talk about our incisions, how big are our incisions? This is always a fun topic of debate at well, conferences. First of how all, small I, can you make it? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, it shouldn't be, you know, <laughs> five inches long. Like <laughs> the rib cartilage isn't that long. But I mean, I've seen some harvest incisions that are crazy big. I mean, insane. But the one that I just uh, I just saw my patient now, hers was 15 millimeters at this point. Now, probably mm-hmm. when I was working through, it was two centimeters, so, you know, probably 20 millimeters. But, you know, there's this, like, idea that you have to make this tiny, tiny incision. But if it's 15 millimeters, 20 millimeters, or 30 millimeters, it's not much difference right. in the scar. And the ease of getting the rib cartilage out gets easier with the larger incision. It doesn't mean it should be, you know, three inches long, you know, no. a, a good 10 centimeters. It, that, that doesn't make any sense. No. It's too big. Yeah. So, you're, you're, I mean, generally we're talking for our American friends, an inch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or less. Right. For people that speak the English language, one inch. Um, but, you know, in the medical world, we're talk, we always talk in centimeters. And that's the, the key. We want to get at least, you know, a five centimeter piece of uh, rib. of rib out. But the, and, but the skin incision does not need to be yeah, no, that for large. Sure. Yeah. But the rib cartilage is great. You can cut up all kinds of grafts. You know, people think, though, the other misconception is that they're, we're going to take the rib and, like, stick it on their nose. And that's going to be their <laughs> nose. And that's not at all what we do. In fact, I haven't done that since really, uh, since I was probably a junior resident in my plastic surgery residency doing a total nose reconstruction where I did use an osseocartilaginous rib very different than what we're talking about. We're talking about getting the rib cartilage as a donor site to make the grafts that we want right. for spreader grafts, columellar struts, lateral curl strut grafts, rim grafts, septal reconstruction grafts, things that you know we're going to use you know, one to two millimeter thickness of, of cartilage with a length anywhere from you know, a centimeter to three centimeters to you know, a, a width of eight millimeters or five millimeters or 10 millimeters. It, it, is, a, it is a graft donor site. It's not to use that big piece of rib cartilage no. to make a nose. No. We, we cut it up into slivers and slices and take the grafts we need. Absolutely. Lots of good video on my YouTube channel all about that. You can watch me, you know, slice and dice the rib cartilage all day long. But the, the real reason I like it is because it does hold up over time. It is their, your own rib. 
I, I'm not a big fan of cadaver rib cartilage. I use it when I have to. There are some people that don't want cuts on their chest. There are some people that can't get cuts on their chest because they're, they're older and their ribs are calcified. Um, and then there are a lot of people that, you know, just say, you know, I'd rather use the cadaver rib. I can tell you that it's just not, it's not my favorite. It works out a lot of the time and, and one out of 10 times I'm, I'm really wish I'd done autogenous, but the other nine I'm happy. So it's hard right. to say, right. don't use cadaver cartilage. Like you said, sometimes you have to. And so. I have to, I have to say, I am a consultant to MTF, the musculoskeletal transplant foundation. And I consult for them and they have a cadaver rib cartilage product. So I'm not speaking out of school. I say this to them also. I say, I, I will use autogenous over, over their product any day that I can, but there are times that I can't. Right. So, you know, that's where, that's when you wind up going to the uh, allograft cartilage. So what are the concerns that people have when you talk about taking their rib? Are they concerned about pain, scarring, functional problems afterwards? How do you address that with them? Pain is the big worry. And it is painful. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I mean, but it is, uh, it's a painful harvest. But it's no more painful than having, you know, any other surgery of like right, a... Right. You know, some sort of breast augmentation breast or yeah. appendectomy or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's not it's not agony, yeah. but it is painful. And after a couple, three weeks, it goes down. Um, there are some people that have scars that need to be revised. I have probably revised five rib scars over my whole career. It's pretty That's infrequent. a very low number. Yeah, out of 2,500, it's That's pretty, pretty low. That's pretty darn low. Um, but the real concern is, you know, do you get in the chest and get a pneumothorax where you drop the lung? Right. Um, that doesn't happen too frequently because especially when you're down low on the eighth rib or the seventh rib, yeah. you're, you're not going to get into the chest when you're doing the sixth and fifth, then you have that chance. And I've had one in my career from on a very, very tall, thin model who, you know, sort of a Marfan syndrome type of person almost. And, you know, we, I was doing a, a, um, an educational video on how to harvest ribs. <laughs> Naturally. And, <laughs> of course, we got a little leak in the rib. Which isn't a big deal because all you have to do is put in a little tube, yeah. suck, suck out the air, out. and that's it. And it's not it a, yeah. It, it, it was a non-issue, but as long as you recognize it, and right, we always it test for it, yeah, to teach. Absolutely, yeah. good opportunity to teach how to fix yeah. that. And yeah. uh, I happen to be making an educational video. It was in two thousand six. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And uh, and and you know, so what? So no big deal. But that really doesn't happen too frequently, yeah. especially with the lower ribs. And then uh, hemothorax, where you get bleeding into the chest wall. Or th those things are so infrequent that you have to know that it can occur. But the real big problem is there's a scar and it can be painful, period. Right. right. You know what we can talk about? We have a paper. About harvesting ribs we through do. the breast pocket. <laughs> it's true. We do so many ribs that we've gotten creative. In fact, uh, I think I'm doing one coming up really soon where I'm going to take the rib out of the breast pocket. So when we're doing breast surgery, one of the things when you put in breast implants or when you exchange breast implants or you do a breast reduction, you're looking at you're the ribs. You're looking right at it. They're Literally, right you're like you, you are right there staring at it. And if you need rib because you're also doing a nose surgery, a rhinoplasty at the same time, snag it. That's you're right. there. And we've done, we, how many were in our series? So 30, like 31, 32, something like that. So we had 32 in the series and I've done a bunch since, um, that we are publishing on taking the rib cartilage during the elective breast surgery and then doing the rhinoplasty. And we wanted to publish it because we wanted to make sure that the safety profile was okay. And, you know, sure enough, we found no increased complications. Now, again, only with 32, Pretty small. you know, it's a small number. So we can't say for sure, like if we didn't do, you know, 10 million of them, that there might be a little increase or a little lower increase. So there's, um, 
there's no way to really know, but we didn't see any large problems. So from our little series, we feel it's safe to harvest the rib cartilage during breast surgery. So you can swap your implants and get your revision rhinoplasty all in one shot. Yep. Or get new implants. Yeah, there was no problems with increased infection rates or bleeding or capsular contracture or anything with the breast surgeries. Um, And it makes for a nice donor site. Instead of having a separate donor site and incision, you just get it while you have the implants. You're staring right at them. And it it avoids having extra surgeries. You get two surgeries knocked out in one. I did one of those this week, didn't I? I don't I know. I think I did. I think I did that this week. <laughs> like, I wait, did, I did. this surgery sounds really familiar. Did I just do it? Man, I operate a lot. <laughs> I, I just, you know, we're back we're back at it already. And I did a Asian rhinoplasty. And she was of, so like I've become like a hack anthropologist based on where people are from, how much septal cartilage they have. And she was from an area in Asia where I was like, oh, there's not much septum there. She's like, how do you even know that? I spent <laughs> a lot of rhinoplasty. And sure enough, her septum was like the size of a nickel. So thank God I was swapping out her implant. She had a capsular contracture. We swapped out her implant. And uh, I took the rib cartilage, and I was able to make a beautiful nose nice. with the rib cartilage and do the exchange of the implant. And uh, lo and behold, it went great. Another thing people do worry about is warping. They always say, oh, what if it warps? When you cut the graphs a certain way, I don't see warping. And, well, let's define again, what warping is. Yeah. So warping is when the rib cartilage actually bends with time. Now, I do see that with the big chunks of rib. If you take an osteocartilaginous, I've seen those warp. But when I'm cutting small grafts out of the rib, warping doesn't really factor in. Yeah. So I I think part of it is, I mean, there are a couple of tricks you can do, right? You soak it first, and then you let it sit for a little while before you use it. And then when you carve it, you can sort of see where that rib wants to go. And carve it and cut it and you know how the rib's going for sure and if you take the central portions of the rib cartilage they tend not to warp as you get further out towards the cortices then you can see warping that's the for the lay people that's the edge of the rib (laughs) i know we say a lot of stuff where we're just like (laughs) funny words medical babble and (laughs) lateral medial warping (laughs) what what language do those doctors think they're speaking that sounds like something very technical well it is and you're welcome um, so I think that's about it, but we love rib, car- rib cartilage for trauma, revision rhinoplasty, Asian rhinoplasty. Anytime you need a large amount of cartilage and you're missing it at the septum or the, or the ears aren't strong enough, you're going to go to the rib. Yep. And you shouldn't be afraid of it. It works. It works, it works great. great. It makes beautiful. You got to know how to do it. it. It does take experience. A lot of people don't want to do it because it's too hard for them. They don't do it enough. And uh, I just say, you know, refer those patients to me. I'm fine to do them. I'm happy to, <laughs> happy to have them. And, uh, but if you're going to get into it, you do need to really know how to do it. It's a, it's a great technique, but it does have a lot of, there's a lot of technical expertise required to use rib cartilage. All right. Well, that sounds like, uh, like we hit all the highlights. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310 777 0496. 
and Roxbaugh Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty, and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.